from the Fortune Four to the smallest one man, one woman startup, we've all got to realize if we want the diverse provider landscape to change, we all have to change it. Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by Higher Ground. Higher Ground is a technology company whose mission is to bridge the wealth gap through access to procurement opportunities. Higher Ground is making the enterprise ecosystem more viable, profitable, and competitive by clearing the path for minority-led, women-led, LGBT-led, and veteran-led small businesses to contribute to the global economy as suppliers to enterprise organizations. For more information on getting started, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E-G-R-O-U-N-D.io. Now on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. You're joined again by your two favorite hosts. I'm Adam Moore here with Chloe Goodry-Reed, and today we're going to be talking about how to set up an effective supplier inclusion strategy. Whether you're a business owner that's looking to build a new supplier diversity chain or a tenured company that needs to refine your supplier inclusion process, we're here to help guide you towards forming a better and brighter future for your supplier inclusion strategies. And today, Chloe and I are just going to sit back, just the two of us today in studio, and have a conversation around this. Obviously, if you guys have been with us for any length of time, you kind of know this is our passion, right? This is what we get up every day to do in our respective positions outside the podcast to improve not just our programs, but each other's programs, other people's programs. That's why we have this podcast. So we thought it'd be a great idea to kind of step back and really talk about what we enjoy doing each and every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I just wanted to to echo that sentiment, Adam, is that the goal of this podcast, even originally, was just to help us all collectively within the supplier diversity space and supplier diversity suppliers, you know, diverse suppliers right. to grow and to, and to build community that has been historically sort of decentralized, you know, you know, based on industry but also just not being able to to connect with the right suppliers. And as you see, like so many companies have all these mandates now and, you know, have audacious goals. And if we Mm -hmm. don't start helping each other as the collective, then it's going to be challenging. It's going to be challenging to hit these goals. And it's so easy as a supplier diversity professional or somebody just trying to set up a supplier diversity department to start off with great intentions, hit, I mean, there's roadblocks all over the place, right? Right. I mean, you and I know this. And then just throw up your hands and go, okay, what? Do we have a diverse supplier? Oh, okay, great. Moving on. You know, (laughs) it's so easy to throw in that towel, uh, but we want to be here to help you grow it beyond that, right? I mean, yes, it is challenging. You're going to hit roadblocks. You're going to knock your head against a wall a time or two and go, Really, why am I doing this? But let me tell you, at the end of the day, oh, it makes such a huge difference. So, yes, yes. You You and I have talked about this sort of the three main pillars of, you know, sort of setting your strategy and thinking about what it's going to look like in the next year or two years. And so, you know, there's three areas of that, you know, and I think we want to tackle those three areas today. And I think, yep. One of the first things is really envisioning. So setting goals for your supplier inclusion strategy Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. tracking the effectiveness of those actual strategies. So, you know, I think 
it's so critical, even when you are challenged to your point, like, you know, supplier diversity professionals are hit with all these different challenges within their organization and externally. But I think having a, having a clear path towards how you're going to get to those goals and effectively reach it and then tell that story is really, really important. So I want to talk about just the envision piece and, and setting that strategy around where, where you want to be at the end of this mark. And exactly. And I want to ask you, you know, like how, how do companies, when you think about this, and I know mm-hmm. you have a vast network of other supplier diversity professionals, mm-hmm. you know, how do you go about initially setting these goals, like coming up with your figures, coming up with who you're going to utilize, coming up with yeah. who you need to share this strategy with within the organization? Yeah. And, you know, I think it comes back to something we say on this show week in and week out, and that is understanding the why behind what are we doing? Right. Right. As basic as that sounds. And I know there have been some great books with that exact same title, Um, (laughs) but it's true. Right. If you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, you have no idea how to set a goal against it. Right. Right. You could be doing a thousand great things, but if you don't know what all those thousand great things are driving towards. Right. It's just a collection of a thousand great things. Right. So for one of the very first things I do, and and I have had the pleasure of mentoring uh, several upstart supplier diversity departments or supplier diversity departments are like, hey, I'm a part-time person or we're brand new. The very first thing I try to get them to do is, is take that why and make it a mission statement, right? right? What is the mission of this supplier diversity group? It is, if it is truly just to grow the number of, of diverse firms that you're using internally, well, that's a great, that's trust, that's a great mission. No mission is going to be wrong. So let's make sure we're true on that, right? right? No mission in this space is going to be wrong. Just be true to whatever that mission is and be realistic about that mission. Right. right if right. the mission is just we got to start reporting in the next 24 months, we've got to have reporting around all this so we can understand even where we are, an amazing mission, right? Because mm-hmm. if you don't know where you are, you don't know how to move forward. Right. right? And I think that's maybe that's one of the other things I want to talk about in envisioning too is. Make sure that you're taking um, appropriately sized steps, right? right? I was mentoring a brand new supplier diversity department and I said, hey, what's your five-year goal? What does, what does, what does this department look like in five years? Yeah. They said, okay, great. They took it as homework. They came back to me in two weeks. They laid out this plan. I was like, wow, that's like a 10-year or 15-year-old mature department with yeah. six people. You're like, you know, let, and, let me, I uh, yeah. don't want to burst your bubble, <laughs> but wanna, let's right, right. I mean, talk about how had, realistic oh, this is going to be, especially oh, since you're just man. getting started yeah, because there's a, it. you're not anticipating some of the challenges that might come, you know, internally. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, I said, the very first thing I looked at this, and I said, so, so what's your department's budget for supplier diversity right now? <laughs> right. They're like, nothing. I'm like, do you know how much this budget is that you have in your five-year plan by the time it's all said and done? I was like, you can't go from nothing to like, you know, a 50, 60, 70, almost $100,000 budget in five years. There is no CFO in the world that's going to sit there and go, yeah, I think uh, I think we can commit that money in five years for a program that doesn't exist. So, yeah. you know, understand what steps you can take, understand what steps make sense, understand what, and understand what steps your department's going to have the stomach for. Right. right. And that might sound kind of ugly, but and I don't mean it to be, but supplier diversity in a traditional strategic sourcing group is kind of that, that group of individuals. They're like, why are you throwing yet another monkey wrench into our process? 
Mm, right. Yeah, and yeah. so, you know, your mission might be, I've just got to get my own internal teams on board. You know, mm. I've got to evangelize this message that could just be your mission. Yeah. Right. So realize when we're envisioning our programs, you have to take an honest, an honest, hard look at where are you now? Yeah. Where am I trying to go to? Why am I trying to get there in the first place? Because right. you might sit there and try to define the why and go, actually, it doesn't make any sense for us to try to go in this direction. We need to go in this direction. Right. right? And then just realize that it is small steps. Don't eat the entire elephant in one bite. Right. 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 You're going to have to work on it and realize the why's, right? And maybe you have one goal and the why is so I can get to goal two. And then right. the why of goal two is to get to goal three. Right. So you've really got to understand and you have to have, I mean, we can talk about, I mean, we could spend the entire show just talking on this, right? Cause we can talk yeah. about journey roadmaps and we can talk about all these fun things that we have, but the biggest thing for envisioning, have clear goals, have yeah. clear whys, and then have clear policies around this too. Right. It's one thing for us to sit around and go, we're going to do supplier diversity. Yeah. Right. And then you go running off in front and you're charging down the road and you look right around and you realize nobody's following me. Right. <laughs> right. Nobody's bought in. So you have to have some clear policies around that, especially when you're talking about sourcing. There has to be some governance. Yes. We all would sit here. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably one of the people that goes, supplier diversity just makes sense. Why do I have to have policy around this? People should want to do this just because it makes sense. Well, sometimes in the sourcing world, we have to have policies to get them to understand. But here's the thing is, the policy may force them to do it at first, but right. once they see the benefits and all that it can do, the policy is secondary. Now it's become culture, right? And sometimes policy has to beget culture, culture Absolutely. before you get there, right? right? So have clearly defined goals with well-defined whys, have the policies to help uh, support your goals, and then you know get the, get the C-suite buy-in. We talk about that all the time too, right? Get, get leadership to buy in with you too to help to help set that that vision. So yeah, yeah. And I would say, you know, getting leadership buy-in shouldn't be too difficult because not in the today's mere, day and age. Not in today's age, day and age, no. but also the fact that you're in this role means that right. the company has some level of commitment coming down exactly. from the C-suite. So exactly. I, I think it's a I wouldn't say that it's an easy sale, but I think, you know, to your point, when you mentioned the company that you're mentoring and they had like a 10 year plan and are at a zero budget now showing the cost benefit analysis, we've recently helped a client of ours with this, you know, they had these audacious goals and where they wanted to get to and needed help, you know, what are the costs around this and what can we see in terms of the benefit? Because when you're talking to people and advocating for additional funds to support the program, well, people want to know what's going to be the ROI or is this just going to continue to be an expense for us? Because that's one of those things. If you're not able to fully tell the story of what it is that you're doing year after year after year, and when it's time to cut expenses, you know, some of these just traditional administrative cost burdens, cost centers for the businesses will get eliminated. So you want to make sure that you're telling that story to all your various stakeholders and you can show the ROI. That is so important. And we have to realize that KPIs and supplier diversity might not be as hardcore as like some financial and accounting KPIs, right? Uh, I was talking to a group very recently and they're like, oh, we have this amazing supplier development program. I'm like, that's great. I was like, well, how many companies have you run through it? crickets. 
Okay. What was, what was the makeup of these companies? How many were MBEs, WBEs? What, how many were uh, black or Latino crickets? I'm like, okay. What so no was data the, on, on participation at all? None. They couldn't tell me participation. They couldn't tell me graduation rate. They couldn't tell me how, what were the outcomes from these businesses after having been it. So like no increases in revenue, no increases in hire, no new jobs added, no new, mm. nothing. Couldn't tell me how the businesses benefited from it. Couldn't tell me what they look like in five years down the road. Mm. I'm like, so it's so, very hard, you know, on an annual basis when you're trying to get your budget approved. The first question well, I would ask is, oh, what were the what are you doing last year? You yeah. know? Yeah. 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 Well, what, what come to find out is the program started. And now it's just be kind of come a stick in the sand. Like we have supplier development plop and nobody asks any more questions. Right. I came around. I was like, so, and you know, I was like, well, there's something we're going to start changing. We're going to track, got to start tracking all of this. Right. Cause otherwise I'm holding a five day symposium for fun, you know, and, and we've got to, we as supplier diversity professionals have to be more professional. Absolutely. 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 I agree 100%. So then when we think about how you get to these goals and when you're creating these budgets, I mean, I think part of the story is making sure that you're investing. So you like, yes. What sort of budget do you need to hit these goals? And, you know, yeah, that's that's a great question. And, you know, this comes down to what systems are we running? What are we using to uh, report on this, discover new suppliers, that type of thing? You know, and I want to kind of go back to a statement you said a second ago. And you said that we and I don't mean me. I'm talking about Chloe and her business help the company define this ROI. Right. So let's just kind of address the elephant in the room real fast. And that is. Why is this show called Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, right? Because yeah. Yeah. we're backed by your business, Higher right. Ground, Yeah, right? Yeah. So that's part of that investment. So, I would, so I'm going to force you to do something now that you've never done on our program. <laughs> and I'm going to put you in the hot seat. And I'm yes. going to have you talk to our fine listeners today about higher ground and how that can help in the investment, how, yeah. how using your system can help them invest in their program, right? right. And meet right. these ROIs, meet these KPIs, right? Right, right. Well, you know, higher ground started, you know, the genesis of it was, you know, I wanted to find a solution that essentially helped supply chain procurement supplier diversity professionals, you know, around full cycle management of their supplier diversity program. So when you think of just like even full cycle for healthcare professionals, there's a lot of models that you look at that help you at every single turn. And so, you know, when we did a lot of customer discovery, one of the things that that suppliers that organization said was we can't find diverse suppliers. So we've created... A, a avenue for them to find and source diverse suppliers, but also manage their existing suppliers that they have. Oh, nice. It allows okay. them to centrally spread opportunities to post RFPs and RFIs directly into the platform for them to then share them with the diverse suppliers that actually fall into the NACE codes or the industries Mm -hmm. or the services that they're actually looking for. So you're not just getting this hodgepodge of unqualified suppliers. You're actually Mm -hmm. being very intentional about who sees these opportunities. Mm -hmm. 
And then we monitor risk across the supply chain, because once you bring a supplier on and they're into the fold, you know, I, I don't think companies right now do a good job of checking in with all their suppliers to see mm-hmm. how are things going. And what I've seen more recently, especially since COVID, you know, financial insolvency, credit, reputational risk, all of these things oh, yes. have just hit like a spike and it's mm-hmm. affecting a lot of organizations supply chain. And it's something that you need to keep a close eye on, particularly mm-hmm. when customer service and customer delivery is very, very important to you. So monitoring risk is 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 something that everyone should be doing, whether you're in the supplier diversity world or p- directly in procurement and supply chain. Right. And, right. and then the last thing we do is allowing you to aggregate all this information in easily digestible reports, but also showing you the ROI of your program right there on the dashboard. Mm -hmm. So at any given Mm -hmm. point, someone from the C-suite or someone from your sales team who has now been asked from an existing client or prospect, tell us about your supplier diversity efforts. You can then just hand them this information and it's not such a lift Every single time you get these requests, they can see where you are to goal and you can make pivots easily. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, here's where we are with our MBE spend and let's see what the breakdown of this is. Oh my gosh, now we can make informed decisions. We want to spend more with veterans because they are only 1% of our spend or we want to spend more with women-owned businesses because unless you have this data in an easily digestible format, it's very difficult for you to make decisions. Right. And the other thing I like about it is not they're going to make this an infomercial, but <laughs> I, but right. It, part of the investment in reporting is to understand where we have weaknesses, right? Absolutely. Because I think what a lot of people don't realize in the supplier diversity world is if you peel back the onion far enough, my bet is if you're a relatively new program, let's say 10 years or younger, you have one commodity and I have a fairly good guess of what it is, but I won't say it because it's my own prejudice. Of where you're probably spending 90% of your diverse dollars. Right. Right. And you probably have two or three suppliers inside that 90% that make up 70% of the 90% of your spend. That if any one of them get converted, and let me tell you what, people are buying Sell and selling businesses equity. right now, mm-hmm. selling a private equity, selling to the next big standard company. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. People want out. I mean, because. 90 what I can't remember what the number is. It's a good portion. We're just going to say 95 for lack of a better number right now are privately held firms by an individual. And if there's nobody to hand that off to a relative, a group of investors, a, a another group of diverse buyers, guess what? They'll sell to anybody. And now this diverse business that you had is no longer diverse. That diverse spin that you had is no longer diverse. So, with a tool like Higher Ground, I can also look at where I'm spending inside my commodity codes, inside my NAS codes, and find out where I have vulnerability or risk to my spend so I can diversify my spend portfolio to make it a little bit more bulletproof so that when the market changes, I'm not sitting there going, I went from 30% spend to 12. What happened? What happened? Well, this company got sold, you know? And you want to be able, if somebody asks you that from the C-suite, you want to be able to answer that intelligently. What what happened right. to our spend right. here? You don't want to just right. be there like, ooh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Exactly. Exactly. And the other reason you want to invest in some of these tools too, and I know I have seen this lately, is as a larger institution, a traditionally owned mm-hmm. institution, a, 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 you know, an enterprise, 
Now we're getting asked in RFPs that we respond to. It's like, so what's your diverse spend? What's your diverse spend in these communities? In this particular community, what you're doing the RFP, what, what does your, you know, and if yeah. you don't have this type of reporting, you literally can't go win business because you can't respond to this RFP. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, and companies are getting stricter because if like they're, they're comparing yes. apples to apples and yeah. someone has data and has articulated exactly what they're doing, yep. their proposal is going to be ahead of yours. If you don't have Way. any information, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. well, this is important to us. And it's just as important yep. as the services and goods that you're providing us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you don't have a robust reporting, Forget doing government work, or if you're doing government work, you better yeah. be prepared to start spending because they're going to start requiring more reporting. Yeah. Right. And they're not exactly a patient group of individuals. So <laughs> you've got to have it a little bit more on tap. Right. Yes. So systems like Higher Ground and some of the other ones out there, they're going to be very important investments for us to start making. And we have to put that time and that energy into those resources and resources aren't just systems resources are people to work the systems if you think that you can do it all yourself you're going to be sorely mistaken uh very quickly as as these as your pro as your program grows as the uh importance of supplier diversity grows it's a good idea now to get in front of that start investing in it now so that you're not trying to play catch up later absolutely you're absolutely right so Mm -hmm. you know the various tools out there you know you've got to really decide what's best for your organization mm-hmm. and but but make sure that you're making that investment because yes. it does help you just be able to tell the story and also be right. able to help you figure out how and where we should be spending our time moving forward yeah exactly and it comes back to our first pillar of envision yes yes right if we know why we're doing things and the steps that we're taking to get there, then going back and saying, Hey, I need to invest in these people in yeah. this time, in this education, in this system. Well, you've already got the vision laid out, which means you've got the business plan. Exactly. And so then once you you've got your vision and your business plan, you, you get approval around technology solutions and budgeting and or, you got to be able then to inform at the end, you know, you've got to be able to, like you said earlier, what's the why tell the why tell the story at the end of the year, here's why we're doing this. And here's what our results were for the year. I think sharing that with all your stakeholders, you know, people often think, Oh, we want to, you know, share this with, um, you know, our existing clients that are requiring it. They also think about it as a mandate. But I think when you think about just engagement of your employee and talent base, like people get excited about seeing the good that the company that they're working for is doing in the communities that they live and work and serve. It gives them an opportunity to say, oh, okay, this is what we're doing from a community action standpoint. Here's what it, maybe these are opportunities for me to also get involved with these organizations. But there's a commitment that's like, I'm excited about being here. I'm excited about what our company is doing. And so when you think about just also growing your ESG groups and all of your um, affinity groups that you have internally, it makes it easier because people are motivated and inspired by the information and the work that you guys are doing. Exactly. Exactly. So inform is not just your stakeholders. Inform is not just your C-suite. Inform is everybody. Your investors, the community that you're working in, your internal employees, right? Your customers, these, you want to inform everybody, 
right? Because everybody does care. So inform is not just your boss, right? Right. Or your boss's boss. It is a full 360. I mean, you've got to get into the hands of as many people as possible. Right. And, and there's so many different ways we can inform, right? I mean, you and I love economic impact reporting. Yes. Right? Again, yeah. something else higher ground can do. Yes. Uh, but it does. It shows truly how by me buying things, goods and services to run right. my company impacts the communities in which I'm doing business. And Absolutely. that is monstrous because now, again, like we said before, we're talking about generational wealth gaps, right? Absolutely. And we're really starting to tackle some of the social welfare, truly economic DEI stories and topics at the root level, right. right? We are helping those people in those communities better, not just themselves, but the generations after them. And that starts yes. to build success stories. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I also want to go back to a comment you made earlier mm -hmm. about, you know, making understanding all the challenges when you're building a new program that you're going to run yes. into. And mm -hmm. one of them is unfortunately getting buy-in like as great right. as, you know, the efforts that you're doing are sometimes mm -hmm. people are not always sold yeah. and the comfortability of just using suppliers that they've always used is something mm -hmm. where they just default to. Mm -hmm. But making sure that internally that they're informed using case studies and telling them mm -hmm. the value of the program starts to change minds around, oh, okay, I, I see what this is. And I see that yes. these are potential opportunities that I could engage the supplier diversity team. Yep. And it's not so much of a hard sell anymore because no. you're telling this story on a regular basis and you're yep. using case studies that everyone can connect to within the organization. Yep. Exactly. And, you know, the other part of inform too, that I don't want us to miss too, is informing people about the availability of the yes. diversity of the diverse suppliers that we have contact with, right? Mm. You and I, and those of us who are kind of in it every day, we see it, we touch it, we have the conversations, we're excited yeah. about it. Yeah. But then you go back and you talk to your service managers and they're like, eh. And you're like, how can you not be excited about this? Well, they're yeah. not doing it for eight hours like we are. They right? aren't. Yeah. They aren't doing the business development. They aren't doing the mentoring. They aren't doing the introduction calls. Right. So to inform there, too, is we need to inform them of who's out there. Right? right. Work on making the introductions, have forums where they can meet diverse suppliers. And it's right. not a RFP businesses on the table stakes, right. high stakes type of conversation. But just say generally, oh, you do this. That's great. Well, what do you think about this? Kind of subject matter expert exchanges, right? right? One of the things I have tried to do on the informed side is talk to my service managers and say, hey, what's an issue that we're going to be having this year? Okay, it's X. Great. I'm going to bring in two diverse suppliers whose subject matter expertise is in X. Yeah. They know that there's no business. There's no RFP. There's nothing to win. They're going to walk out of here with the exact same number of contracts they had with us when they walked in zero. Right. And they're just here to talk to you about this subject. Mm. Right. And my service manager is like, Hey, that sounds great. We'd love to talk to somebody about that. But right. guess what? They come in, these guys and gals have these conversations. All of a sudden my service managers are like, Oh my, there's more out there yeah. than we understood. Right. Because they're not in this. When you start a conversation in an RFP situation, and you know this boat, Chloe, from owning your own business, the conversation is way different than when you're just having a casual conversation over the same topic with somebody when there's no business on the table. When right. business is on the table, the tone, tenor, and timing changes everything. And right. you can actually really connect when that RFP pressure is kind of off. Right. right. So that's one of the ways I've just been personally working on the informed side to try to get my service managers to see who's out there. Right. That's and great. to kind of 
let them kick the tires a little bit to, to use that expression. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. And I think, you know, also when you think about just inform, I love all the supplier development opportunities that you guys created with, and, you know, your employer, Uh, Mm -hmm. we we all know (laughs) whoever that might be. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, I love the fact that, you know, when you think about informing too, bringing in some of those people into some of those development sessions, especially when you have them on site at your locations, you know, that that's a a great way to inform them as well. Amazing. It's amazing. And you're right. So the informing kind of works backwards too. Well, or in the exit direction, because if I don't inform diverse suppliers on how to do business with me, I can't set you up to succeed. Right. Yep. Right. Exactly. Exactly. If you've never done business in the financial district, Oh, it's a whole other animal. Right. Yeah. So informing and what's realistic. Let's let's have that talk for a second. Right. Informing is also keeping this. You know how we talked about being realistic and setting our our goals and our vision. Right. We've got to be realistic when we inform people on what is your real viability in doing right. business for me. Right. 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 Because it costs money. Guess what, corporates? It costs money to pursue you. Right. These, right. these diverse businesses are spending money pursuing you. And if they don't have a chance, but you think they're a great gal or guy and you don't want to break their heart, so you just kind of keep talking to them and going, there's still no way I'm ever going to get you a contract. you got to be honest with them. You've got to inform them of that. Right. Right. You really do. Don't string them along. along, Right. We've all just, we are all adults, right? If you own a business, you're ready to kind of take that knock. Right. Right. You just right. are. I mean, that's just you realize that's the, the price of doing business. We do nobody any favors by cherry coating and, and candy coating anything uh, in this world. So, you know, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, because I've talked to a couple of potential clients, prospects okay. of ours right now, mm-hmm. and they are they've been sharing horror stories of software that they've been using, even oh. from you know, yeah. our supplier portal can't extract anything out of it. Just it's a black hole or, yep. you know, our reporting sometimes comes back wrong. You know, can you talk about some of the common flaws you see in, in some of these like systems and, you know, integrations yeah. and, and how they can yeah. help better serve, you know, some of these clients. The biggest root of those problems is supplier diversity was an afterthought. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they've developed this huge uh, AP system, right? It does yeah. everything from managing the contracts to getting the payments to reconciling the books. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, yeah, there's this little thing called supplier diversity. We'll just kind of cram it in here at the end. Right. And then it's the, not everybody weaved comes into goes, the solution. Right. Yeah. No, it's not weaved into the solution. Everybody's like, look, supplier diversity, it recaptures X, Y, and Z. And we're like, well, that's great. How does that flow through everything? And they're like, hmm, no, hmm. it doesn't. Hmm, Right. And so now all of a sudden you're trying to go back to your reporting group and go, okay, I need you to pull this table out of this set of set of data. And then I need you to cross reference it over here so that this field can carry over so we can see a flow through the whole thing. Let me tell you, that's the biggest thing I've seen. Yeah. Right. Or then the other sin in this area is the company started off to do supplier diversity reporting of some sorts. But then all of a sudden they started growing that tool so fast. They didn't think of the ramifications to their own system. Oof, yeah, yeah. And it got so big and so weighty 
Yeah. And so out of control, you know, you, you bought it, you got it in house. This happened to us. And you start looking through the reporting going, huh, uh, these tallies aren't adding up, right? If mm-hmm. I have, you know, Q1 spending and it says this over here, and I go and I look at the breakdowns over here and these two totals, you know, these two totals yeah. don't match. All yeah. of a sudden you're like, I, I can't trust the rest of this entire tool. Yeah. Right. That's so, exactly what happens. Like you get yeah. a, a couple of wrong outputs and you're just like, wait yep. a minute, how accurate is this information? You know? Yeah, exactly. So I think that's the biggest thing. Tools start out and they don't think about supplier diversity at all. And then we're an afterthought and it kind of gets crammed in, bolted on, and it's a nightmare. Because right. like you said, it's not woven in, it's not carried through, it wasn't right. part of the original build, and it's just a mess. Right. Or it started off as a supplier diversity solution, then mutated into something else. Yeah. And then when you try to use it for supplier diversity, it's just flat wrong. Right. So then what are we back to a supplier? We're running everything in Excel. Ugh. And it's non-standardized. Ugh. And nobody else can access it. Ugh. And then when that person leaves, they have to reinvent the wheel. Uh, right. So ineffective. If there was only a solution out there that we knew about. (laughs) So when you think about this, you know, and you think about (laughs) and you think about the future, 2022, right? This is this is a new year. This is a new year. What changes do you see that need to be made within the supplier diversity space and within supplier inclusion strategies? We've got to be one of the voices at the table from the get-go. Absolutely. Well, absolutely, 100%. I can't tell yeah. you how many times and in different departments I talk to where strategies are set, goals are set, and then they're like, oh, yeah, by the way. Oh, maybe include the supplier diversity. Yeah, we want it. you to hit this supplier diversity target. And then when you look at the year-end goals for the company, you're like, how? How? Honestly, how? 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 Right? They're like, yeah, we want to increase RFP inclusion by 10%. And you're sitting there going, you're not onboarding anything new. So how in the wide, wide world of sports are we going to have, or the RFPs are so esoteric, so, you know, uh, just niche based. You're like, yeah, uh, maybe if I had a year, I could find you somebody. Yeah. Right. We've got to supplier diversity has to be part of the five-year planning team. Right. Okay. When you sit down and you set your company's five-year strategy, and every firm sets a five-year strategy. Right. If you're not, that's another conversation. But anyhow, they need to be part of that, right? So then when they say, in five years, we want to be able to accomplish X, supplier diversity, you sit there and go, okay, I don't know any suppliers that can help us get us there. But in five years, I can get somebody there. I can work on my business development. I can start getting the word out. I can start talking to people. I can start developing suppliers to help with this. Right. Right. Or I can start going to my NGOs. I can start going to these district national conferences and go, who do you know? Who haven't yes. I met? Who's out there? Right. Or what conferences outside of the supplier diversity conferences do I need to start attending to find some of these people? Yes. Because all too often we're, we're tripping down this road merrily. And all of a sudden the business comes to us and goes, oh, we got an RFP coming out in a week. Yeah. Uh, and we need some diverse suppliers. And you sit there and look at the scope and you're like, I probably needed six months to get this like you've had to research traditional suppliers, right? Right. To find somebody. Yeah. Right. Uh, And I think the other thing we need to do too, as supplier diversity professionals is sit there and go, and and sometimes 
you can't get a diverse supplier, right? There, there are some consulting engagements. This is where I think of primarily in, in big time consulting that you're going to have to use one of the big four, five, or six consulting right. groups. You're just going to have to. Right. But I think as supplier diversity professionals, sometimes we tuck our tail in our legs and go, well, well, what are you going to do? Right. And yeah. we don't stop and go, okay, get it. But how do we write the contract so that that supplier has to use 10% of their spend reportable right. with diverse suppliers to support this initiative? Right. Because that gets you closer and closer to your goal, even when right. you know, you, you're met with opposition or you know, some, some stuff to your point, like has to be done by some of these larger accounting firms and larger audit firms. I mean, you just have to. Right. And we, we accept the defeat. We pull down our flag and we move on. Right. The other thing with that second strategy of forcing our primes to play with our diverse suppliers is right. they may uncover diverse suppliers we didn't know were there. Absolutely. Right. And, the, and mm-hmm. also you're like, well, who's doing this work? Oh, I didn't know this company existed. And then you sit there and go, hmm, maybe there's somebody we go direct to next time. Right. And then how do you See, and how are you aggregating this when your prime suppliers, your tier one, like where are you keeping this information when they are connecting you to other ones? Like and, and that's the thing that I think when I think of, you know, 2022 and and I think moving forward in general, like what are some changes that need to happen? And I think yeah. we need to be more data driven within this space. We've got to be more data driven. We're always going to be a relational driven. Position. Absolutely. But we've, you know, I think you and I, Chloe, have talked about this kind of off mic, right? And I have said several times, I feel like supplier diversity is getting to the rinse and repeat stage, regardless of who you're working for, regardless of your flag, your corporation. It's starting to feel a lot of like rinse and repeat. Right. You know, Um, and so we as professionals need to get innovative again, right? Yes. I I miss, no, I wasn't part of it because I'm not quite that old, (laughs) Uh, but you know, I miss some of the innovations I've learned about and read about from the late 70s, early 80s in this space. Mm, yeah. Innovations were being made, right? Changes were being done. People were taking the leads and holding different difficult conversations. I think we got comfortable. Yeah. Oh, as absolutely. an industry. As an industry, I think we got comfortable. Uh, and I I would like to see 2022 uh for the leaders, the you know, the Fortune 50 companies to step up and go, okay, time to do it differently. And I think the last thing that I, I think would be beneficial is to your point, you know, there are some things that only the big four can do mm-hmm. and we understand that. So that's one piece of it. But then there's also these, you know, that I hear frequently is, oh, well, we don't, we can't find suppliers that actually do some of these, you know, can help us with some right. of our larger needs. And right. There has to be intentionality with the development programs too, right? Exactly. Looking at yes. some of these larger spend categories that your organization has and how do mm-hmm. we develop the diverse suppliers that we're already working with? Maybe right. maybe they're already pro- providing a service that's right. complementary to this. How do we right. help them grow so that we can, number one, it's a, it's a win-win. It's a win-win for that supplier, yep. but it's also helping your organization with meeting your goals. And when you talk about full circle showing value, yep. okay, we put a diverse supplier in here. It improved our margins, it improved our service. And oh, by the way, they also helping us meet our goals on an annual basis. Exactly. And it goes back to, so that was, Let's take that back to knowing our why and all that sort of good stuff, right? And then back even into the investing. So we're starting to talk about, I'm a firm and I have my own private supplier development group. Yeah. Right. Well, 
did I take a look at my spend and decide, hmm, I'm really low in, I don't know, let's just say marketing, right? right? Uh, I don't have anybody in marketing. Okay. So then why do I have all contingent labor and IT implementers in my development program? Mm. I don't need them. Don't need them. Not to say they're not important, please. No. There's a lot of you out there. I don't need that. <laughs> don't leave those comments. I love you all. Um, but but I have to realize for my business to show the ROI, to show the importance, to sit there and go, huh, hi, we're actually relevant to what we're trying yeah. to do as a company. Yeah. Why did I not then go back in the, all the national databases? Because all of us are members of the national databases and go M-B-E-W-B-E-A-A-B-E marketing firms. Mm-hmm. pull up a list and invite them. Yeah. Nobody invites anybody to their programs. Why? I right? don't understand that. I just. It boggles my mind. So then I can sit there and go, guess what? We don't have a lot of marketing firms. So this next class is going to be all marketing firms and yeah. we're going to develop them. So they're competitive. Right. Yeah. Uh, look at what I'm going to start tracking now. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. And now I can go back and go, hey, you know why we're spending money on this? Because we didn't have this over here. Look at all that we developed. We hired two of them. I've increased the spend. Or maybe I didn't hire any of them, but our agency of record took three of them on as tier twos. Which is a win, too. Thank you. Thank you. Intentionality, people. Intentionality. All the way around. We throw so many darts on the wall and go, oh, that was a program. I ask people all the time. My very... If you ever meet me, the one question you're going to get from me is why. Right. I sound like my children sometimes, but it is true. Yes. It is true. We yes. do X. And I'll sit there and go, why? <laughs> and then you're like, oh, uh, because we've always. And if you answer me, we've oh always done gosh. it that way. I'm I cannot done. stand that answer. I've now taken it away from everybody who listens to this podcast. That is no longer your response to anybody who asks you why you can no longer say because we've always done it this way. You know, and I think um, one of the things I'm looking forward to our next conversation, because yes. I think I think this week we kind of tackled it from the the enterprise side and really helping, you know, people with inside large fortune thousand companies. But then when we we want to tackle this from a small business standpoint, because right. like we mentioned, so many organizations this year, and I think we, we're not right. going to see this go away. They're pushing down no. these, these mandates and yeah. participation goals to their tier one suppliers. So how do yes. you as a smaller organization build out your supplier diversity strategy and how do you find diverse suppliers and what does your development look like, particularly if you may not have billions and billions of dollars like right. these Fortune 500 companies? Right. Exactly. I'm but looking forward takes, to sharing those strategies. It takes strategies. all of us, right? It, yes. it reminds me, it, it, it honestly, not to sound cheesy, but it reminds me of the Michael Jackson song, right? Man in the Mirror. Yes. If we want it to change, literally look in the mirror. That's where we all need to, every one of us. From the Fortune 4 to the smallest one-man, one-woman startup, we've all got to realize if we want the diverse provider landscape to change, we all have to change it. We all have to change it. We all have to be part of the solution. And I think that's the way that we move the needle truly. I cannot agree more. Well, if this episode was helpful to you, be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn at Chloe Reed and Adam Moore. And if you've enjoyed this episode, check out our previous shows and stay tuned for next time. See you soon.
Bye. Thank you for listening to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. We are grateful for the time you spend with us in participating in these conversations. Please review and rate and share our show as we are focused on growing awareness in the supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity space. If you'd like more information, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E ground dot I-O. Thank you for being here and we look forward to seeing you next week.